as Fangraphs Audio continues its ascent up the mountain of sporting media. Hello, I am Fangraphs Audio host Carson Sestouli, also a contributor to Fangraphs.com. And on this particular edition of the pod, we bring you semi-live all-star coverage from Orange County. Full-time employee Dave Cameron and resident prospect maven Brian Smith talk to us from Anaheim, California, where they're in town for all-star festivities. Sunday night, the pair went to the Futures game between the world and the U.S. and watched the U.S. win convincingly. In what follows, we get crack prospect analysis from Brian Smith on a couple of players who impressed him. We get some random musings from Dave Cameron as he develops a piece that he contributed to the website. And finally, we get to learn a little bit about scoutees, that is, language of scouting, from Brian Smith as he tells us what he and other scouts might look for in batting practice at an event like the Futures game. This and oh so much more, almost live and right now. Live from a combination of Las Vegas and Los Angeles, it is the earliest AM edition of Fangraphs Audio ever. Uh, I am sitting at a hotel room, the Paris actually, in Las Vegas, and I am uh, talking across the, uh, I guess across the desert. Uh, to two uh, podcast veterans, our full-time employee, Dave Cameron. Dave, how you doing? I'm good. Good. Okay, good. And then uh, uh, another uh, full-time... Uh, he's a full-time man. That's what I know. <laughs> and he's also a resident prospect maven, Brian Smith. Brian, hi. Hi, Carson. How you doing? Good. Uh, I will tell the listener that it is exactly uh, 8 of 6 a.m. as we do this. And while that may not be early to normal people... Well, you know what I'm saying. The listener uh, may or may not know that Dave Cameron and Brian Smith are in Los Angeles right now, or more specifically Orange County, because they uh, attended uh, or are attending uh, some All-Star-related festivities. Uh, Of course, uh, as we record this, the All-Star game has yet to be played. We have a home run derby tonight. But um, what has happened is we've had a Futures game be played, right? And um, we're, we're here to talk about that a little bit, and uh, get some um, get some reactions to that. Um, uh, maybe from a couple different angles. One, maybe sort of a more uh, orthodox prospect angle, uh, and then also um, maybe more something of uh, impressions of the game more generally. And uh, so we'll see how uh, we'll see how that works out. Uh, the first thing I want to start off with is uh, before we get to the game, uh, Brian. Uh, I believe you were able to attend a, uh, a batting practice. Uh, is that right? What, what exactly was uh, going on there? Right. Yeah, before the Futures game, they have both the World and the U.S. team take batting practice, and with the with it being the Futures game, there are about 60 scouts in attendance that watch the batting practice beforehand, and it's a really good opportunity to see these kids and, and sort of see what their power potential is. I think a normal batting practice you can't really glean a lot from, but when it's a when it's a big event like this and the kids know they're being watched, they really let it fly. So it gets you, it gets you the opportunity to see a guy like Mike Trout who hasn't hit for a lot of power in the Midwest League, but when he's in batting practice, he hit about five homers out of Angel Stadium. So you get to see that there is some power in that bat, and and down the road he probably could be a twenty to thirty home run guy. Now, Brian, I'm you know I'm curious as to um you know, as to exactly what you're looking for, I know that I assume it's something slightly more nuanced than just saying like this guy hit five home runs, this other guy hit four home runs. The guy who hit five has probably more power potential. 
Is there anything else necessarily that you're looking for? I know that I've seen words like load and uh, loft um, and probably a whole bunch of other terms that begin with L. I don't know. But are those <laughs> things uh, also that you're looking for, and what are those things exactly? Well, yeah, I mean, if you just watch a game and to see a guy, you might only see him swing two or three times, maybe not at all, depending on if he walks a couple times. Batting practice is a good chance to see a guy swing 10, 20, 25 times, and you really get an idea of what that swing looks like and uh, what the ball sounds like coming off the bat. So Eric Hosmer uh, didn't hit a ton of home runs, but he took a really good batting practice. He was spraying line drives all across the field, and, and he looked like a real major league hitter. Lonnie Chisholm, a Carson Sestouli favorite, had probably the prettiest swing out of every. It didn't matter if he was hitting home runs or not. He just had a swing that every scout in attendance loved. Right. Now, um, Dave Cameron, uh, were you also in attendance at the batting practice? I was, yeah. Okay, and uh, what is uh, what does your trained eye uh, tell you? Or are you sort of looking for different things maybe than Brian might have been? Um, well, I think Brian's probably seen more batting practices than I have in my life, so I defer to him on uh, a lot of things. What I was looking for maybe is more irregularities. So um, Ben Revere, who's an outfield prospect with the Twins, had uh, this hitchness swing that was immediately apparent when he started taking BP and then became hilarious to watch. It's essentially, he... Uh, I mean, it's just a timing mechanism for him, I guess, and it's worked considering he hasn't struck out that much in the minors, but uh, you do have to wonder if he's holding himself back because he has such an unorthodox swing. And a couple of times, Dominic Brown dropped his back shoulder in an apparent attempt to hit the ball to the moon, but that was something he evened out later and didn't seem to be a long-term problem. So uh, sometimes you're just looking for irregularities or little things that you can pick up on that might present problems down the line. Yeah, okay, and uh, uh, Brian, I know that in your uh, your piece that's up on the site, uh, you actually refer to that uh, the hitch in the swing in uh, of, Re- of Ben Revere, and you actually provide video. I got a chance to to take a look at it, and it does look like uh, he sort of uses that as a timing mechanism. Um, you know, to my eye, I mean, it's actually funny the video that you posted. I think he hits uh, kind of a solid-looking line drive. Uh, what, what's the? How could that necessarily catch up with a guy uh, down the road? Well, we thought it might be. A, a big velocity pitcher might take uh, advantage of it and throw that timing off, but later in the game he hit a line drive off a off a 96 or 98 mile per hour fastball. So it's something that works for him. Immediately you look at the swing and you wonder why the Twins haven't changed it in two or three years. But as you see sometimes with prospects, if it works for them, the teams are very hesitant to change it. Right. Okay. Now let's maybe uh, look at the game itself. Um, and I'm curious, just first question before we do that, is, um, Brian, how much are you looking to learn from the game? Um, I mean, I'm sure it's kind of impressive to have all this talent on the field at once, but at the same time, it also does have the feeling of an exhibition. So I guess, like, you know, what are you looking for precisely? Or is it just to kind of have, um, just get a, another another perspective on the on the prospects? Well, I think it's just a really good opportunity to see these people that, that we write about because I'm in Chicago, Dave's in North Carolina, you're in Portland. I mean, we can't, we can't cover all these guys and I certainly can't see all of them myself. So it's a, it's a really good chance to see their build, see what their swings look like or, or their off-speed stuff if they're pitchers. And I don't think I, cha- my opinion changed of anyone yesterday, but to see Dominic Brown 6'5", 220 in person, I mean, you really start to believe that that power's for real and that he could be the top prospect in baseball. Okay. Now let's get into uh, specifics. The, the first is, it seems like um, 
there were a lot of kind of nasty fastballs there. Um, you had uh, four or five guys listed here. Um, uh, can you just uh, tell us a little bit about some of those fastballs you saw? And um, and, I, and I'll start also add, um, I was able to see, um, I forget his first name, but his last name, Familia. Um, he also was uh, humping up quite a bit. Um, and someone in the comment section of your article asked about him, and you said it was it was flatter maybe because he was going for more velocity. I'm also curious with these fastballs if this is normal velocity for them or if you think they're showing off a little bit. Yeah, they definitely know they're getting an inning of work, and they see all the radar guns behind home plate. You can see a couple guys that were definitely airing it out, and, and some command was off, like Julio Teheran, the Braves' top prospect and one of the top pitching prospects in all baseball. He's had... Pretty decent command this year, but to this game he had two walks in an inning, and, and his fastball was sort of all over the place. So I think I think you probably know their velocity comes down two or three miles an hour in a normal start, but you also get to see, I mean, maybe these guys are relievers down the road, and this is what they're going to look like, and and you also see that arm action and how easy it is for some of these guys to throw 95, 97 miles an hour. I think I mentioned Zach Wheeler in the article. I, I had never seen Zach Wheeler before, and, and the reports we would got from early in the season were pretty bad. But you see him in person, you see him throw 95, 97 every time with apparent ease, and, and you can sort of see what the Giants were thinking when they took him in the first round last year. Right. Cameron, uh, you were there. You saw that same velocity. Is that something that's impressive uh, for you? Um, or do you just kind of think it's... Uh, it's maybe like this thing that, uh, you know, is sort of meant to show off the, I guess, the physical abilities of the pitcher. But maybe you're looking for something, some a little bit more nuance from uh, from a prospect. I mean, yeah, it's a little tough on these guys because they only know they're going to throw, you know, 15 pitches. They can just come out and, you know, they're not going to be setting up hitters and, you know, trying to get them off balance with breaking balls. I mean, they're just coming out and saying, here's what I got. Let's see if you can hit it. So there's not a whole lot of in-depth pitching strategy going on, which is okay. But, you know, for guys like maybe Mike Miner, that's not like the the best fit for abilities. I actually saw Miner, uh, you know, hitting 93, 94 on the radar gun a few times. And Miner's not a hard thrower at all. He's more of a command good change up and but, you know he's a he's a pitchability guy not a velocity guy and so for guys like that maybe this isn't the best exhibition of their display but it's still fun to be able to see that you know Mike Miner's not just an 86 to 89 mile an hour soft tossing guy when he really wants to he can rush it up to the plate right okay um Brian I want you to to do uh, uh, three quick hits here maybe and then uh we'll move on to uh Dave Cameron who has some impressions of the game um Brian uh, there are three guys that are uh, sort of a of note, or that you, sorry, make note of in your article, and uh, Dave might also have some opinions about them. Uh, maybe a little bit more about Lonnie Chisenhall, uh, the mm-hmm. the impressive, I guess, uh, tools and performance of Mike Trout, and also D. Gordon, skinniest man ever? Question mark. <laughs> okay, uh, I'll start with Chisenhall. Chisenhall didn't start the game. Mike Mustakis did, and Chisenhall came in in the sixth inning. His two plate appearances were sort of anticlimactic. He had a five pitch walk and then a first pitch he grounded to second base, RBI ground out. So if you had just come here and seen the game, you didn't see a lot from Lonnie Chisholm, but like we mentioned, he had a bad he had a batting practice and it's what I mean, he was the talk of the game before it started until Mike Trout got to the plate and that brings me to the next guy. I mean Mike Trout is the hometown guy for the Angels. Everyone was there sorted to see him. And he was fantastic. He came in in the first. He came in in the first inning after Dominic Brown had an injury, 
and had four plate appearances, reached base every time, three times reaching base on error because his speed just completely threw off the fielder. Um, he stole a base. He turned a single into a double. He is one of the most exciting players in professional baseball and has a really good argument to be the number one prospect overall. Does he have a defensive? Uh, does he have defensive projectability too? Is he highly ranked there? Yeah, I know we saw him make five putouts in center field, but there wasn't really an opportunity to see his range. But with speed like that, and, and I know he has a plus arm. I mean, he's, he can certainly profile as a guy who's going to be plus five, maybe even plus ten in center field. And then uh, D, you mentioned D Gordon. D Gordon was, for me, sort of strange sitting there. I mean, he's listed at. 5'11", 150, so you have to figure he's probably 5'11", 135. <laughs> and, uh, and Dave Cameron, I, I'll quote Dave, who said, if he wants to pass for a 14-year-old, he's going to have to show some ID. <laughs> um, That's a strange build. Um, I know there's a guy in the uh, Padre system named Luis Durango. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. Yeah. I've had the opportunity to uh, see him a couple times, and he—I don't know if it's the exact same build, but I know that Luis Durango looks like a small boy on the field. And I yeah, and Luis Durango is not really a prospect, but somehow D. Gordon has convinced everybody that he's this top thirty, top fifty guy, and I just don't see what he. Plays. Now, is this—is this the sort of prospect that might be polarizing? I mean, it seems like you're already starting to be. And and my other question is, do you think uh, being Tom Gordon's son has anything to do with that prospect status? Oh, it absolutely does. I mean, scouts are big on pedigree, and, and they like to know how a guy's going to age, and they look at Tom Gordon, who was a skinny, uh, a very skinny prospect, and entered the major league skinny, and eventually uh, got a lot stronger, and his fastball, of course, got even more velocity in the major league. So I think they project the same with Gordon. But still, I mean, if, if he adds 30 pounds, he's probably 170, so he's not going to hit for power. I mean, there's no way you can project... 10 home runs in the major leagues annually for this guy. Right. Uh, Dave, um, a question to you. I know that, uh, of course, everyone knows that you're um, probably more of an AL West guy um, than anything else because of your affiliation with the Mariners. Um, I'm curious, as a Mariners fan, is it worrisome to you to see the combination of talent that the Angels have um, in their system with, with Mike Trout and then catcher Hank, uh, I believe it's Conjure, but it could be Conger, um, who actually uh, hit a three-run home run as a catcher yesterday, and uh, was named MVP of the game? Is that something that's worrisome for you? Well, I mean, seeing Trout ahead of time. I mean, like you know, Trout came in with a reputation as a guy who's just absolutely killing the Midwest League. And so, one of the fun parts for me of the uh, Futures game is you know, there's so many team executives there, and some of them are people I know. So I was having a decent amount of conversations with guys in the game, and inevitably almost all of them turned to Mike Trout and just how ridiculously good he was, and guys who had been out to the Midwest League to see him just raved about him, and um, this was before the game, and so, you know, once they saw it in person and you get to see Trout play, it's uh, it was clear that the hype is for real. I mean, that this kid can really play, and um, had a conversation with one friend who had taught talked to another scout thought that trout could be in the majors next year well mike trout's 18 i mean that's uh, i mean when scouts are talking about a guy who could be in the majors as a teenager you got a pretty special player Whoa, and so, are you serious uh, that guy's 18 yeah trout's 18 that's ridiculous yeah right exactly. i thought he was like 23 no no trout's 18 oh man yeah oh i like my mike trout <laughs> yeah i think everybody likes mike trout i mean you know i have a feeling that for 
probably once he gets to the majors, it won't take him long to be the Angels' best player, and he'll be the Angels' best player until he leaves via free agency or they trade him or something. I mean, he's going to be really good really fast and stay good for a long time. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, now, moving on to uh, to um, uh, the sort of theme that you struck struck up in your uh, post, uh, that was sort of a, a, in addition to Brian Smith's random musings from the Futures game. Um, this is maybe uh, more of a of a generalist uh, a re- reaction to the game. Uh, could you kind of uh, maybe shape one or two points for us from that from that piece? Yeah. I mean, you know, I guess my uh, I, I basically didn't want to jump on Brian's Thunder and just write up prospects, so I was trying to give a little bit more of a feel of what it was like to be at the game itself, and so I talked a little bit about what Brian talked about in the last podcast, about how bad the world team was and how they need to do away with the format, and just some of the general impressions from the park. I will say this is not going to be something that people saw on TV, but for whatever reason, in between innings, uh, the Angels decided to uh, entertain their fans with big screen Pong, which was bewildering and like perhaps the craziest decision ever so we just got blared with like eight bit sound bites of this ball going back and forth between two little bars and huh. um, it, it was really horrible and then later they did donkey kong which was not a whole lot better so i think somebody in the angels uh organization should get fired for their in between innings entertainment choices because that was really that was awful that is peculiar uh yeah. for, for a high, higher profile event um, but yeah, now Brian, you had said in our uh, most recent edition of the, of the pod that uh, the, in particular, the difference between the U.S. and world offenses uh, was was distinct and notable. Uh, that sort of uh, was borne out during the course of the game. Uh, did you feel um, some smug satisfaction to see that unfold, or was it as depressing as you thought it would be? Well, I would have felt a little more satisfaction if you had gotten my bet down and actually had money on the United States like I have. <laughs> uh, yeah, I apologize for that. That's, uh, <laughs> but, uh, it, I mean, it was fairly obvious that that this United States team was going to destroy this world team. I mean, the world team offense has one, maybe two good prospects. The United States was good one through nine. So I saw it coming. I was glad that it was nine to one because hopefully that'll tell major league executives that this year didn't work and, and that maybe we got to make some changes for next year. Okay. And uh, one final thing, Dave Cameron, you're still in the OC right now. Uh, you have a, a couple events on tap, I assume, or at least one in the All Star game. Um, what is it that you're most looking forward to right now? And um, you know, what what sort of uh, events will you be attending and will you be able to tell us about? Uh, yeah, so I'm basically skipping out on the Home Run Derby tonight because I, I, I don't care about the Home Run Derby, and I don't know too many Fangraphs readers who care about the Home Run Derby. I mean, it's just something that I could care less about. So uh, no Derby for me tonight, but I will be attending most of the All-Star festivities tomorrow. So I'm going to be getting to the park probably about five or six hours before the game starts, and we'll be milling around with the various reporter types and uh, should have some interesting things. I mean, uh, I guess I'm not totally sure how it's going to work. I'm obviously not a normal journalist, but I, maybe I'll just wander around both clubhouses saying who knows what XFIP is and just talk to the first person who responds so uh, I might have some interesting interviews or a black eye one of the two but we'll, we'll see yeah uh, well that's the question that uh, America wants to be answered uh, and I, of course I think we'll have to uh, find its really conclusion uh, on the next edition of the pod but in the meantime uh, thank you for joining us Dave Cameron alright no problem Carson alright thank you Brian Smith Thanks, Carson. Okay, and uh, yes, I am Carson Stooley, and this has been another White Hot edition 
of Van Graaff's audio. Thank you.